I hate to say it, but it appears the Carolina Panthers are the most dysfunctional team in the NFL. We'll break it all down right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Wednesdays for the remainder of the regular season. I'll be answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions. How can you participate? Great question. Either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council. Get your questions in for next week's edition of the weekly Wednesday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all in lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Whoa, boy. The Carolina Panthers, uh... They got some issues, huh? They appear to be the brightest, most aflame dumpster fire currently in the National Football League. And great reporting on Wednesday morning by Joe Person and Diana Rossini of The Athletic, who spoke to more than 20 sources around the Carolina Panthers organization. And those sources, according to them, painted a picture of dysfunction inside the Panthers' offices with assistant coaches undermining other coaches as many went into self-preservation mode when it became clear Frank Reich's days were numbered. Team sources described a Hunger Games culture at Bank of America Stadium. Coaches said they believed other staff members were text messaging owner David Tepper behind Frank, Frank Reich's back about issues they saw with the team. In one instance, general manager Scott Fitter and an offensive coach went to Tepper with a coaching suggestion for the quarterback. Those first two paragraphs in this story are things you expect to read about the Cleveland Browns or the Las Vegas Raiders or the New York Jets. But instead, we're reading about the Carolina Panthers, our beloved Carolina Panthers here of Charlotte, North Carolina. Why are we reading that? Because of David Tepper. David Tepper and all his mistakes and his ego has led to that. To Scott Fitterer and an offensive coach going behind Frank Reich's back to talk to the head man in charge about Bryce Young and his lack of development. There was a couple of takeaways from this. Give me some time here. I would have talked about this yesterday, but with the crossover Thursday episode coming out, I have to do those on Thursdays. I think I'm actually putting this one out on Thursday anyways, but I'm getting to this a little bit later than I'd want. So give me some time. The way the show's constructed, I got to take breaks and do these ad reads at certain points in time. So just bear with me as I just try to wrap my mind around what I read on Wednesday morning and trying to put my thoughts together and relay that to you here on the show today. So takeaway number one among five that I have, five major takeaways, and there's many takeaways within each of these takeaways. But number one, going back to that last sentence, 
in one instance, general manager Scott Fitter and an offensive coach went to Tepper with a coaching suggestion for the quarterback. This shows David Tepper's direct involvement with the team is a problem. Here's another quote. Days before Thanksgiving with the team spiraling and Young getting pummeled, Tepper told Reich to fix the rookie quarterback's footwork. Fitterer and others had told Tepper that Young's feet were the cause of some of the Panthers' protection issues. They believe Young wasn't dropping back deep enough on his pass sets. That goes right back to that initial quote. In one instance, general manager Scott Fitterer and an offensive coach went to David Tepper with a coaching suggestion for the quarterback. That was the coaching suggestion. So Fitterer and whoever the offensive coach was went to David Tepper, who then, of course, listened to them. And in one of his weekly meetings there with Frank Reich heading into that game against the Tennessee Titans, which would be Frank Reich's last game, he said, hey, Frank, this is what we need to do. We need to work on Bryce Young's footwork. This is not the first or the last time David Tepper will do this. The article reiterated what happened back at the end of the 2018 season, heading into 2019, when former head coach Ron Rivera was told by David Tepper that, you know what, enough, enough of this 4-3 nonsense. Back in Pittsburgh, real football where we won championships, we ran a 3-4. I'm more comfortable with that. How about you change to a 3-4? And actually, I read the comments to this article and was just appalled that there's people who weren't aware of this story that's been out there for four years now, that that's something that happened, that people were like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. If that's true, that's crazy. That was your first sign of how this was not going to work here in Carolina until David Tepper took a step back. But it does not help matters when the GM and a coach are going behind Frank Reich's back to the owner in this manner. That only makes matters worse. Another quote from the story, Tepper's instruction about Young's footwork came after weekly conversation between Tepper and Reich on Young's development and early struggles. When we were told about this, I want to say the Panthers had been 0-4 by this point in time. Heading into that Lions game, we found out that Frank Reich was having a weekly Tuesday meeting with David Tepper. And you could see just how stressed he was about that, that every week he's got to answer for why they're losing, why Bryce looks like this, why things are happening. And hell, that is his job. He's got to go out there and win games. And at some point in time, he's going to have to answer to the man that hired him. But every week, answering to this guy, who, of course, David Tepper is a smart man, made a ton of money in the financial sector of this country. But he's not a football man. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. It would be like, and look, Hey, I'm just a guy doing a podcast, but if I own a team, I have no business going to the head coach and being like, hey, you know what? Let's work on the footwork for the quarterback. That That is part of the problem. So number one takeaway, this shows David Tepper's direct involvement with the team is a serious issue, but it's aided by the fact that he has henchmen like Scott Fitterer and whoever the unnamed offensive coach are going behind the head coach's back, undermining him and going to the owner and suggesting, hey, you know, we should talk to Frank on Tuesday about fixing Bryce Young's footwork. Number two, in hindsight, Frank Reich should not have branched out when it came to his offensive coaching staff. We talked about how in the NFL, a lot of times you see, well, nepotism really win the day. Think about Scott Turner, who's his dad, Norv Turner. Should Scott Turner even been in a situation in a position to be an OC in the NFL? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But it's ripe in the NFL. It's ripe with just so much nepotism. And I appreciated Frank Reich's willingness to go out there and to try and hire some coaches he had never worked with before. But looking at it now, and some of the quotes here I'm going to get to, 
does not appear to have been the best decision for Frank Wright, but maybe a decision that he was not able to prevent. Uh, going to the article, Tepper also encouraged Wright to go outside of his circle with some of the hires. As such, many of the offensive coaches had never worked together and brought different philosophies to an offense that would be led, that would be led by a rookie quarterback from week one. Besides disagreements and scheme, there were personality conflicts and factions formed on a staff that included two main holdovers from rule staff, offensive line coach James Campen, and special teams coordinator, now interim head coach Chris Tabor, both of whom were retained at Tepper's urging. That one right there should tell you it's no coincidence that Chris Tabor became the interim head coach here in Carolina. The fact that David Tepper wanted him to be on the staff and really foisted Tabor onto Frank Reich. And I'll understand that Maybe whoever Frank Reich wanted wasn't able to come. We talked about Gus Pratt Bradley, the D.C. there in Indianapolis. That Frank Reich, he had hired him the year prior, and the Colts did not let him out of his contract. Jim Irsay, the owner up there, did not let him out of his contract. So he had to go out there and hire Ajero Averro. And Ajero Averro is one of the top defensive coordinator candidates available last offseason. And if he's available again this offseason, he will be again. And maybe you're one of the top head coaching candidates if you're not thinking about going straight for an offensive guy. So Frank Reich maybe didn't have much of a choice in that situation just based off of what was available to him. But make no mistake, Chris Tabor is David Tepper's guy, and we see that now that he's the interim and people asking why Chris Tabor. Well, David Tepper, him and Chris Tabor, apparently there's a direct line between the two uh, when it involves his organization. And it's clear Chris Tabor saw Deuce Staley and Josh McCown as Frank Reich guys. That's why they're not here anymore. Josh McCown was playing quarterback back when Deuce Staley was still a running backs coach in Philadelphia. There's that relationship. Parks Frazier is a Frank Wright guy as well, who currently is the quarterback's coach, was the play caller last year in Indy after Wright got fired. Frank Wright officiated his wedding, but you can only fire so many people. So he kept them around, but he felt like these senior members of the staff, like Staley and McCown, hey, you guys got to go. You guys are Frank Wright guys. You guys are in the camp of Frank Wright. Because clearly... There was a lot of infighting based off of what's being reported uh, there on Wednesday morning about the Carolina Panthers. Uh, going into more of what's gone on here, uh, quote here, it's just not a good offense, one staffer said. You didn't see Indy's offense when they were second in the league and rushing in 2021. You didn't see Philly when he was there or when he was with the Chargers and those dynamic offenses. You didn't see any of that. So are you telling me, anonymous staffer, that the offense that was built here in Carolina was more of Thomas Brown's offense than it was... Frank Reich's offense. And there's another quote in here talking about the wide zone run scheme that is popular with a Shanahan offense or a McVay offense. And that's something that Thomas Brown learned from Sean McVay. So we had talked about marrying the concepts that Frank Reich had established throughout his career as a play car and a head coach and that Thomas Brown was bringing over from Los Angeles with the Rams under Sean McVay. But it seems that at least one of the day when it comes to the run game was that zone scheme. And from this staffer's perspective, what Frank Reich used in Indianapolis that worked out, not happening here in Carolina. What he used in Philadelphia the year they won a Super Bowl that worked out wasn't used here in Carolina. So you look at who should be blamed, and we see Thomas Brown throwing the football in third and one and fourth and one at the end of that game against Tampa. Maybe Thomas Brown's more to blame than we originally thought when looking at this offense and going back to just the amount of assistance that had never worked for Frank Reich, going back to the article, says the Panthers' defensive assistants, nearly all of whom had worked at Vivero previously, have been more aligned according to sources. No surprise there. If you work with somebody before, you all worked in the same scheme before, under the same head coach and Sean McVay and other stops, quite possibly you're going to be on the same page. But if you are coming from a different offensive scheme, and being put in a position where you're going to have to collaborate and you all have not established a relationship, 
Well, we're seeing the infighting that happened on the offensive side of the ball and one of the worst offenses in the league and why Frank Reich is no longer here in Carolina and going on to more stuff about the offense. Um, but that has not been the case on the offensive side of the ball as far as continuity goes. At one point, several coaches wanted to bench Young in favor of Dalton, who had the Panthers' only 300-yard passing game when Young missed a week three game at Seattle with an ankle injury. But those conversations never reach Reich, Fitterer, or ownership according to high-ranking team sources. And it also, as I just mentioned, discussed the run scheme not being a fit for the Panthers' offensive line. Bradley Bozeman was quoted talking about he's more comfortable going downhill. And we've seen parts of that in recent weeks, but apparently they didn't understand the personnel that they had heading into the season. Just so many issues right there where you have coaches fighting with each other. There's factions within the coaching staff on offense, talk about, oh, we need to have Andy Dalton. We need to have Bryce Young. And it's not things that aren't discussed out in the public by the fans. But if you're going to be a team, there needs to be alignment. Everyone needs to be heading in the same direction. But that was not the case in Carolina. And for that to have never gotten to Riker, to Fitterer, or to David Tepper, that is seriously an issue in Carolina. That's just the beginning. There is more from the explosive article that came out on Wednesday. I'll give you more of my takeaways from what Joe Person and Diana Rossini reported on Wednesday morning here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Price Picks is the most fun you'll have winning up to 25 times your money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on the projected stats, and place your entry. With the basketball season finally here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can take LeBron James, who's battling for the NBA Cup, and Travis Kelsey at a 105 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions price picks is really simple to play you can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds quick withdrawals easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for your first deposit match up to 100 that's pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for your first deposit match up to 100 dollars Let's talk more about the dysfunction here in Carolina, shall we? Uh, number three takeaway is Bryce Young's development was a major factor in the decision to move on from Frank Reich. And this is a big old duh. We knew this, but David Tepper won't tell us anything. He just said speculate. A good thing that Diana Rossini and Joe Person went out there and talked 20-plus sources to get the actual answers to what's going on in Carolina. It's important, too, that you guys go support Joe Person. Dana Rossini and the rest of the folks over at The Athletic, uh, as they do a great job covering the Panthers. There's not very many people out there covering the Panthers, so you would think that, hey, why not support uh, one of the best Panther reporters out there in Joe? Nice guy as well. And hit me up uh, over on Twitter at Julian Council. I'm subscribed, and every once in a while they'll email me uh, saying that I can give five people a membership for like a month or so. So if you're interested, just hit me up, and hopefully I can give you that out there. Uh, but into it, Bryce Young's development was a major factor. Going back to the article, league sources said Tepper struggled with the decision to fire Reich, but the combination of Young's difficulty understanding Reich's offense, specifically the reads, timing, and ball placement, as well as Young's lack of protection, convinced the owner the, the organization wasn't helping its quarterback but ruining him. Reich Fitter and the offensive coaches decided the priority before Young's first season was preparing him to call plays in the huddle for the first time and giving him time to absorb a playbook that blended Reich's system with wide zone concept Brown brought from the Los Angeles Rams. Any tweaks or changes the Panthers wanted to make to Young's mechanics would wait until the offseason. Now, that is very interesting to me that they were more um, they were more interested in getting Bryce 
used to being in a huddle and understanding the playbook than they were working on the fundamentals. Why not do both? And you would think, too, that the fundamentals are a little bit more important than knowing the plays is obviously important, but fundamentally, he's not there, then why put him out there? Because that goes in part with, is he ready? Was he ever ready to play if we're talking about the fundamentals? Now, with Bryce Young, the, the drop back, apparently at Alabama, the, the criticism was that he dropped back too deep in the pocket. Now it's saying he's not dropping back far enough in the pocket. You can you can say all of that. And the Panthers aren't 1-11 because Bryce Young is not doing his drops properly. They're 1-11 for a myriad of reasons. And the offense isn't just bad because of Bryce Young is not dropping back far enough. His fundamentals are off. It's that the you know, O-line's terrible. They've been banged up. And the receiving talent's not great. Even if Bryce Young is going even further in his drop back, and we We've all we've done the screenshot. You've seen it all over Twitter. The screenshot of Bryce Young at the top of his drop, no one open. He takes another step, two steps back. Are those guys me open? Probably not. Uh, but it is interesting to me that they did not want to work on his fundamentals until after his rookie year. And we talk about the bad habits that are being established by Bryce Young. Is it possible the bad habits are being established not just because of the lack of protection and the lack of weapons on the outside, but because they failed to coach him properly? That feels like the case when I read that in the article. Uh, some other things that were mentioned is that the uh, coaches, or at least Frank Reich, was overprotective of Bryce Young. At least that's how some players and coaches felt like, hey, you can be critical of a guy, but you it's not really going to shake his confidence and yada, yada, yada. Um, DJ Chark, his comments following the Tennessee game when Frank Reich said that Bryce Young made the right check because they looked like they were in cover zero, the Tennessee Titans were. They actually weren't, but he made the right decision throughout the DJ Chark, who Frank Reich said in the postgame, he was too far back uh, behind the line of scrimmage. And that Chark, he was the one to blame, not Bryce Young in that situation. That goes hand-in-hand with what a lot of players and coaches felt uh, was being way too overprotective of the rookie Bryce Young. We never heard from Frank Reich again because he was fired uh, the next day. So he did not get to go back and watch the film. He probably did on his way back uh, on that flight back from Nashville, but he did not get to come back on Monday and uh, clarify whether that was the case or not. But DJ Chark, he talked about how it seems like everything gets blamed on the wide receivers, this and that. And a lot of it is. You were paid, not a ton of money, but you were paid to be a starter here. And you were not playing worth the money that the Carolina Panthers doled out. Uh, so that, that's an interesting thing. Like Bryce Young's development clearly is a major factor. Now moving forward, whoever they bring in needs to work on his fundamentals and get him up to speed with the playbook. That's going to be something that has to happen this offseason. I don't really understand why they're like, hey, playbook first, then after this season, when you pick up bad tendencies, we'll break those out of you in the offseason in 2024. I, I don't understand that. Uh, takeaway number four, a play calling change that we saw a couple weeks ago, that was based on pressure from David Tepper, and plenty of y'all felt like that was the case that Frank Reich was out here trying to save his job. Going to the article, uh, they write, the heat was turning up on Reich with the athletic reporting after the game against the Bears on Thursday night that ownership needed to see more progress on offense. Reich was getting the message as well on the Monday fall in Week 10 loss at Chicago. Reich announced he would be calling plays again. Actually, it was the Wednesday because he, he, he didn't say anything on Monday. He had Friday after the game, then that Monday to say what whether Thomas Brown was still going to be the play caller. He never reaffirmed it. And then on Wednesdays when we found out that he was going to take over the play calling duty. Uh, Reich's reversal further divided the offensive staff with one assistant saying that's shocking. The wounds from Reich's reversal on play calling haven't 
healed yet. When asked last week about Reich's impact on him, Thomas Brown called it a loaded question before adding he was fortunate for the opportunity Reich gave him. And I said at the time, once it happened, that Thomas Brown was not going to come back in 2024. And listening to what he had to say last week, it's very clear that had Frank Reich survived, like Thomas Brown was not sticking around here to be scapegoated for bad offensive performances when it ain't all on him. Now, when it comes to the wide zone scheme that he brought over and the fact it's not working with this offensive line, that obviously is on him. And what I've seen from Thomas Brown even after Frank Reich got fired on Sunday does not have me with a ton of confidence uh, in his ability to put together a good offense here in Carolina or really anywhere else at this stage in his career in the NFL. I'm sure we'll get an opportunity down the road, but right now he does not appear to be ready. And Frank Reich, it seems like self-preservation mode. Talked about that earlier here on the show in that article. He's a guy who's like, if I'm going to go down with the ship, I'm going to hold on to it. I, I didn't think it made a lot of sense at the time. Uh, I still kind of stand by that. I get what he, he did, uh, but just the optics of it all and just seeing how you doing that only further divided a divided offensive coaching staff. And Thomas Brown clearly didn't appreciate that decision. So there's just a multitude of things that Frank Reich did wrong. And it's the building of the staff, the way he went about uh, with the staff decisions as far as play calling went. Not ideal. And then lastly, as I wrap this up, and it's, I mean, there's so much in there. Like, go back and read it. There's so much in there trying to just even fit it into this amount of time uh, of a show. The final thing, Ben Johnson, I can't see him come to Carolina. The article right here, some of the Panthers organization, according to a league source, have been texting Johnson about how complicated it's been to work in Carolina this season. So you have people inside the organization basically telling Ben Johnson, you don't want to be here. You don't want any of this. You have to deal with the owner every Tuesday. If he thinks that if you know if something's going wrong with the quarterback as far as his fundamentals, the general manager, he's going to go behind your back and he's going to go up there and tell the owner to tell you what to do and to, on Tuesday in the meeting instead of just coming up to you. Like I don't understand why Scott Fitter couldn't just came up to Frank Reich and had a conversation with them. Now, Frank Reich has tried to distance himself from Scott Fitter. He distanced himself out of Carolina <laughs> for sure. Because Fitter, who is still here, and y'all keep asking – there's reports out there saying that his future is still up in the air, that he's been given no assurances. But when Scott Fitter and the unnamed offensive staffer are going up to David Tepper and talking about, hey, these are things that Frank's not doing with Bryce Young, kind of makes you think that he might still be here for a while going to next season. Seems like they want to keep him around, especially that he went out there and went behind Frank Reich. Kind of tough. So Ben Johnson, if you read the article on Wednesday, I don't think you even needed to read it because it sounds like a lot of people have been telling you all year long, you don't want any of this. So I would not be uh, betting on Ben Johnson to be a Carolina Panthers head coach based off of that and everything going on with the Carolina Panthers organization. Now, Hayden Hurst has been absent the last three games because he's been dealing with concussion protocol. And we got a little bit more insight on what's going on with Hayden Hurst from his dad on Twitter on Wednesday and from Hurst on Thursday. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Whenever the game clock stops, it's time to order in with DoorDash. Order pizza, wings, soda, burgers, or even just buns on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. Score football seasons, best deals on groceries, restaurants, retail, and more 
all of your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to grocery are on the app so you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. Stock up on your favorite appetizers and order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash. Then get ready to watch your team win. And personally for me, I've been hitting up DoorDash a ton lately. Been going over to Hawthorne Pizza, been going over to Mama Ricotta's. And honestly, with this little bag DoorDash sent me to keep my food warm, I'm probably going to head over to Mama Ricotta's again, get me some panetta alla vodka, maybe get a cannoli. Love the rolls that they have there. Big fan of all the local spots here in Charlotte that you can get with DoorDash. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23, subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23, subject to change, terms apply. The Carolina Panthers have been without their starting tight end the last couple of weeks. Well, he was their starting tight end. That was the intention when the Carolina Panthers signed Hayden Hurst to a multi-year deal. But he has not lived up to expectations and has been absent the last couple of weeks because he's been dealing with a concussion. Has not played since the Thursday night game against Chicago. He's missed three straight weeks due to concussion protocol and hadn't gotten really any insight into why he was out for so long. We've seen... Guys only miss a game and come right back like Brian Burns. We've seen guys miss a couple games like C.J. Henderson and come back. And now we're seeing Hayden Hurst having missed a decent amount of time here the last three weeks and not had really any answers. And everyone recovers from concussions differently. But his dad, Jerry Hurst, came out on Twitter, uh, of all places, on Wednesday night. And he tweeted out saying, at Hayden Hurst has been diagnosed with post traumatic amnesia by an independent neurologist as a result of the hit he took in Chicago November 9th. Slow recovery. Don't know when he'll be back. Prayers appreciated. And seems like a lot of people reached out to Hayden Hurst uh, on Twitter after seeing what his dad said. And on Thursday, Hayden Hurst came out on Twitter and said, I appreciate everyone reaching out and checking on me. I suffered a pretty nasty concussion, uh, no kidding, uh, against the Bears a few weeks ago and don't remember up to a to four hours after the game. Scary situation, but the Panthers have been incredible walking me through this process. He also said another tweet, while it is scary, it is, in all caps, not career-ending. I'm starting my return to play this week, so fingers crossed I may get back for the last few weeks. God bless and keep pounding. Who boy, that is, that's a lot, man. Um, y'all, your brain's pretty important. So this is obviously not anything to to scoff at, to not take seriously. And I'm glad the organization is helping him out in whatever the way they are. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I'm not a neurologist. I am not a doctor. We know that. If I was, wouldn't be doing this probably. Uh, maybe I would. Maybe I wouldn't. Who knows? Um, doesn't really feel like he should come back and play football if he has post-traumatic amnesia and he said he could not remember up to four hours after the game that's scary stuff and we saw Dan Morgan deal with a lot of concussions and I'm sure Dan Morgan has been um, someone who has been there by Hayden Hurst's side and all this I would I would imagine he'd probably offer some insight we saw Luke Keekley what he had to deal with and had he not had those concussions maybe he would still be playing football I, I don't know oh man that is it's a tough situation for Hayden Hurst, and I hate it for him. Hopefully, for his sake, he says it's not career-ending. I mean, God, dude, you got your money. It, you got to protect yourself, but he's got to do what he feels is best for him. So I'll support whatever decision because, you know, it's his life, and I hope everything's going to be okay with him. Uh, but it certainly will not 
make me uh, feel bad if he does not play the rest of the season, just knowing that that's what he's been diagnosed with, and it seems to be pretty serious. So best to luck, to, best of luck to Hayden Hurst, and please reach out to him, offer your support, because he uh, he he needs people in his corner, and hopefully he'll play again, in Carolina. Um, but it really doesn't need to be this season if that's really what he's dealing with. All right, uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours, Julie. Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where I'll be back again on Wednesday to answer your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me, to get your questions into me after the game, after the game on Sunday. And I'll get to them on Wednesday. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding. And I'll talk to you all on Sunday following a Panthers victory. That's right, a victory in New Orleans.